real estate investors from Florida, Georgia, and Texas. There's a big online event this coming October that you shouldn't miss. Discover new techniques on how to grow your business and thrive in the middle of the crisis in no time. Just simply go to www.realestateiq.co summit and sign up today. Rodney Rush with Real Estate IQ. We're presenting this uh, webinar with Joe Boston today. Joe is uh, the facilitator, owner, overseer of the Dallas Real Estate Investors Group out of Arlington. And uh, this is our introduction for you. As then at 12:10, we're going to start the presentation. We'll go through a few slides to get you oriented, and then we'll talk about who Real Estate IQ is and any Q and A's that may come up at that point. So, Real Estate IQ is uh, number one in deal finding in Texas. We bring you 45,000 plus leads every month, and um, here's a quick testimonial about this. Go ahead and click on the little start in the middle there, and then we'll pause it just a little bit after. Hey guys, we're here at the Quest Trillion Dollar Mixer right here. And I'm talking to Omero Corona. He's just made more than $100,000 with Real Estate IQ. Could you tell us about your story? Yeah. How's everybody doing? Omero Corona here at the uh, Quest Trust uh, Trillion Dollar Mixer. Really excited to share all my testimony and my story with uh, Real Estate IQ. So over the last, uh, you know, about six, seven months, I've been using uh, their platform and getting some of their uh, lists. And I was able to uh, finish my first flip recently where I was able to net about $85,000. And in total, I think I've uh, been able to make about $100,000 with Real Estate IQ and their tools. So really excited to share this uh, great um, you know, company with you guys and definitely uh, give it a shot. I think you guys uh, will take advantage of all the tools and uh, it'll be profitable for you and your company. Thank you, guys. Thank High potential you. deal and we analyze it and we blog about it. So we uh, want to share with you what a good deal looks like and what, you, what kind of factors you should be considering when you're analyzing uh, real estate investment deals a really really good educational uh, piece for those of you who are trying to learn uh, and get started uh, because you you know the most important thing is you need to find good deals and in order to do that you need to know what a good deal looks like uh, so uh, make sure you sign up for this free publication uh, we want to bring a lot of value to you and uh, please enjoy it all right and we'll go to the next slide and this is where a poll will pop up. If you are interested in a free 45-minute one-on-one deal-finding training, then you can just answer yes to the poll right there, and we will get an account manager scheduled with you so that you can walk through that. You do it at your own computer and the time frame that works for you, and it gives you some one-on-one -on -one time to understand the different tools with Real Estate IQ. And then also the second question is, are you a current subscriber? We'd like to know that as well. Thank you all for participating. 
and uh, give you a second to fill that out and we'll go to the next one while you're filling that out i'll introduce joe so he is our primary speaker today he has been in the real estate industry for many years i don't know exactly how many i think it's 20 or more and uh, he has done rentals all of his life that's a lot of what he started out on and he's extremely successful and so we're excited to have him to share his insight with you today so go ahead joe take it away well hello everyone uh thanks for participating uh Definitely, this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart because, in my opinion, um, everyone needs a redundant system. And if, if it hits more home than ever right now because, uh, as you know, um, I think the, the numbers are north of, of 30 million people are now uh, unemployed. Well, one of the things that led me to actually – uh, focusing on rentals was just that is is I was in corporate America uh, like most people and it just so happened that I was I was really interested in the rental industry and so uh, um, and topic because one of my friends was doing it and we're, we're, they were very successful now again this was in the middle uh, mid 2000s um, where the price points were lower and we're going to talk about that um, and gave us the ability to buy when it wasn't as risky. So um, we're also going to talk about that. But first, um, I'd like to uh, just give you a little bit of information about who we are and what we do. So I am the leader and organizer of the Dallas Real Estate Investment Group, and we were founded in 2010. And uh, our basic premise is to assist the community members to learn uh, how to do real estate investment at its finest. So we have, uh, I think we're one of the most active clubs in the, in the Dallas Fort Worth area and we meet every week. Uh, so most clubs meet once a month and we actually have taken that and uh, expanded on it because we actually have a facility for people to meet. And I know some of you might be, yes, this is nationwide, but, um, we feel that real estate never stops because, you know, obviously people need and have the desire to get involved in real estate investing, but also people need a place to live. And so, um, again, in times like these, we are actually the stewards, I would say, of this pandemic because people are really desperate to find housing, uh, even though it might seem like, you know, everything's on lockdown, but we're really busy right now. But we're a group that helps uh, people grow in their aspirations of being uh, investors. Um, we teach, train, and educate on pretty much anything that has to do with single family. We have experts in the multifamily arena, uh, subject matter experts uh, in mobile homes, RV parks. Um, we offer syndications and buying groups. So we have a plethora of uh, information for you to come obviously when uh, we're open again we actually meet in person but we're starting to uh, obviously uh, uh, utilize me media like this so that we can actually um, you know get that information out to you to you so um, again it's a, a different environment so you know we always feel with networking it's important to meet and greet but you know now it's just a different time so Hopefully when we do open and it is safe, uh, we will open our doors again. Um, so, 
In addition to that, we have a uh, co-related business, which is the Next Level Realty Group. Um, it is a fee office, and basically this was started to assist those investors that needed a place uh, to hold their license, also to champion you know, getting paid on their own deals. So it's just $97 a month and $250 a transaction. So that's really good for those that are investing and, and it's a full-fledged brokerage. So, um, you know, if you're going to do a lot of traditional as well, uh, I am the broker. So I do uh, encourage you to, to get your license, especially if you're going to take this to the next step or the next level, as you will, and, uh, and do this regularly. So um, you can save a lot of money and make a lot of money by having your license. Our meeting format, is, uh, like I mentioned before, is we meet each week. Uh, so um, you can see here's an overview of basic, basically what our topics are. So we have the week one, we have a speaker. Then we do the week two, a teleconference, and we have a think tank. Week three, we'll have a, a speaker. And then what makes us unique is in week four, uh, we have a real world, world event, which we're in the field somewhere at some uh, real estate investing uh, project or in a lab so that you can uh, experience whatever you've learned in the classroom uh, firsthand and actually see how it's being done. So that's great. So to start this, um, obviously uh, the great uh, Warren Buffett uh, said, we, we simply attempt to be fearful when others are greedy and to be greedy only when others are fearful. And if um, you're like me and you're every day, you're seeing in the media, and again, it's rightfully so uh, with, with COVID-19, that people are fearful right now. And so how does that relate to what we're doing? Uh, people pretty much, not only are they on lockdown in their homes, but also their wallets. And so Again, because, because people are not moving and money's not moving as much as uh, obviously we're used to, what happens is that the inventory pretty much freezes and then actually it expands because there are certain essential businesses um, like construction and housing and, and real, real estate that are still moving, right? So but the thing is, is they're on lockdown, so people don't want to – to purchase necessarily. Um, so it actually in, in, you know, with what we do is actually a perfect storm. And it's, it, I'm going to talk about 2008 and how I think it correlates to today's time. Um, I'm going to let you know what I think is going to happen, but um, obviously how to, why to buy rentals in a down market. This is where I actually made most of my money um in a down market so um i think it's the time right now um between now and i'd say in about the next three years is where you can actually make your mark in real estate if you choose so so let's talk a little bit about dfw uh just because that's the market that i'm located in and those of you that are not here um feel free to reach out to, to us because you can invest in this market uh, but we are the known as the business capital of the South. We have high rent ratios, which means we utilize like a 1% rent ratio, which means if it's a $800 a month and you're, you bought your house for 80,000, that's a one ratio. 
anything above a one ratio is great um, to have. So we have high rent ratios. Uh, we have the lowest risk in housing market because there is a robust, a fairly robust economy here. Um, so if those of you that are in other markets, you need to analyze your marketplace to make sure that the jobs are there to support housing. Um, employment and population growth is leading the United States. Uh, as many of you, of you know that we're the transportation hub. We have American Airlines, Southwest Airlines. Uh, we have the, one of the largest land bank, land ports in Dallas, just south of Dallas. Um, and then we have high rental occupancy. So those all help um, with stabilizing our market uh, here in DFW. So um, we feel pretty comfortable about, you know, investing here. And a lot of outside I mean, people on the coast have invested in DFW um, because they do see the upside in investing here. So that's a really good thing. So one of the things I will say, um, rentals will work everywhere as long as you are actually purchasing at the right right prices, which is why I think buying in this down market is really important. So looking at DFW, as you can see, the breadth of employment, uh, we're very diverse here. As, as you noted, transportation is one of our highest percentage uh, um, employers here in DFW, but you can see there's such a breadth so of, of employment. So it stabilizes our market. And why that's important is because obviously housing correlates to employment. And so one of the things when you're looking at rentals is where are the hotspots? And you need to actually, one of the things I say, just a little tip for you is getting involved with the local chambers of commerce because they actually will forecast you know, what's actually on the, on, on the table for businesses to move in. So attending chambers of commerce meetings are not, they're, they're, they don't charge. So you can actually go and see what, what's happening in your local community. So it's really important that you get involved because you can actually get ahead of the curve and start to look at areas that you know businesses are actually going to be employing uh, people. So let's talk a little bit about the real estate types. This is important that um, you know these, and obviously we're talking about rentals today, but these all have an impact on how successful you can be because you can transition rentals into many of these. And so, um, what I have highlighted here are rentals, uh, seller financing, rent to own, subject to purchasing. If you don't know what that is, we actually have a class on that in June notes syndication and we actually have a, a program called reverse close owner financing uh, which is a very passive way of investing um, i would encourage all of you that are uh, are listening to get very familiar with what these not only what these terms are but definitely understand how they work because anything uh, most things in real estate will work if you really understand them especially for those that don't want to own meaning the customer that doesn't want to own, but you as the investor need to know how to transition them to what's best suited for that customer. So it's really important that you understand these. And we teach all of these, for the most part, all these topics here at our club. I'm sure in your local community, there's, there's a, a local RIA group that meets to teach you these. Um, but if you don't know, get very familiar with these, especially over the next, like I said, three years because these are gonna be the, the volume 
of these opportunities are going to increase in my opinion. Okay, so what's buy and hold? So I'm just going to uh, read this to you. So buy and hold refers to an investing strategy practiced favorably by passive investors or couch potato investors. When buying and holding, the investor usually ignores day-to-day -day and maybe even month-to-month -month fluctuations in the stock price. One of the strategies that I utilize is I do multi-year leases. And so just another highlight is I look at uh, buying and holding as mailbox money. And in times like this is really what, what really brings to the forefront why it's so important to have a, a redundant system because those that have been laid off now could, if you had rentals um, or seller finance strategy, uh, the, the actual significance of being laid off wouldn't be such a heavy burden because you'd have an investment. Um, so this is really important that you understand. A lot of people actually don't like rentals because they think there's a lot of work, but it, 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 you know, which there's work in most things. Um, there are positives and negatives, but I think the positives of rentals outweigh far more than the negatives um, when you're talking about rentals. Multi-year leases are important because it, it eliminates the turnover. And one of the things that I like to do personally is I uh, get 15-year amortization loans. That means it, it's paid off in 15 years. And so if I can get a, a, a customer that will lease from me for multi-years, um, most of mine are on four-year leases, believe it or not. People are very comfortable with that. So if I can turn over and make sure that I can re-sign that tenant for three years, three times, um, for the most part, the house is paid off. And so um, that's a really good strategy. Next, um, I would like to talk about some of the components of what you're looking for with rentals. So high rent ratios, like I mentioned, um, basically that's the rent divided by the purchase price. And you'd like to have that to be one or above. Uh, the probability of achieving potential cash flow. So when you're looking at a rental, you want to make sure you're not paying too much for it so that you, uh, when you do get your rental amount that you're not losing money, that's really important. And you do have a reserve. High population growth. Actually, there's, you know, an industry and in there that will support people that are either moving in within, with jobs, like I mentioned earlier, um, or it's stable and you have actually been able to market like we teach you at our club and get that great deal and use, utilize real estate IQ, right? And, and get that great deal. Um, and so then you can transition that into a rental. Um, I mentioned high employment growth have an expert team we uh, teach you how to acquire a team uh, that will support you with rentals because one of the knocks on having rentals is not being able to manage them well if you do have that in place it's not so painful and so we teach you how to do that and then the best value products on how to analyze them and analyze the houses and also the areas because the areas uh, based on your strategy, you're going to determine what type of strat, uh, uh, real estate process you're going to use. So seller financing. Uh, seller financing is a loan provided by the seller of a property to the purchaser. 
Usually the purchaser will make some sort of down payment to the seller and then make installment payments over a specified time at an agreed upon interest rate until the loan is fully paid, repaid. Uh, what you can do here when you do have a rental, and the reason why I'm mentioning these other strategies is I discussed that I like to, to purchase my homes, my rental properties with a 15 year amortization. So in effect, if, if I have a tenant that's turned over twice, I own roughly 70% of that property or, or I have a 70% equity play in that property. Well, what I can do at that point in time is convert that to a seller financing note. So um, again, if you're not familiar with this, we'll teach you how to do that. But um, one of the benefits of seller financing is because we're offering terms, we could actually increase the sales price um, and get a very favorable interest rate, uh, which will create a nice spread on your money and also give you, you know, substantial cash flow. So seller financing is an option that you can actually transition your existing rentals and transition them into a, basically a note. One of the things to mention with seller financing, the difference is we call it the three T's, tenants, toilets, and trash. So with seller financing, you don't have those because you're operating as the bank. So another strategy that I'd like to discuss is rent to own. So rent to own is the owner has promised to sell the property to the tenant for a certain price within a certain time frame. Rent to own must be structured correctly due to an exculatory contract clause. Uh, it's a very effective way to transition rentals as well. Um, I have a strategy I call repair replacement, which uh, we teach that at the club as well. Um, this works really well in undesirable areas. I will call them that or areas that really need a high amounts of repair uh, because uh, most people uh, would like to, you know, experience home ownership, but they either don't have the reserve or the down payment or the credit. So one way to test if they actually will pay, make their payments is to actually have a tenant in place and then you can transition them into an ownership position. And if over a year's time, let's say that you have a one year term for your lease, if that's what you so choose, then you can see what their payment behavior is. And if they have great payment behavior, you'll know that's a great candidate for rent to own. Uh, typically, there is a down payment, but also you can mark up the sales price for rent to own. So it's actually a good strategy. Um, the repair replacement strategy that you'll see uh, highlighted is for areas that are undesirable and you actually will offer a higher sales price, but what you'll do is you'll present to the potential buyer that they'll be responsible for the repairs. And if you do so, if they do so, then you'll be able to discount the sales price. So how does that insulate you? Well, let's say a year goes by and they don't make your payment. Well, guess what you have? You have a fully rehab property. Uh, so it's a really, really good, good process to use with, when you're doing rent to own also, also in really challenged areas. Next, we'll talk about subject to purchasing. Uh, 
this is the no money down strategy that everyone talks about. And we actually will have a training course on that next month as well. Uh, so what subject two is basically it's taking a property subject to existing mortgage um, means you're leaving their loan in place. Okay. That means you get the deed, uh, but you do not assume the loan. The loan stays in the original homeowner's name, but you now control the property and make the mortgage payments on it. If you do, don't make the payments, you could lose the property and any equity in it. However, if you don't make the payments and you lose the property, there will be no personal liability beyond the loss of the property. This is great because this is, I mean, for the investor, um, because it basically reduces your risk. And so we're always looking for ways to reduce our risk. And this is, I would say, the coup de grace of real estate investing when you learn this technique. And again, we will have this training next month um, at our club. So. Uh, this is popular in the downturn. So in, in times like this that we're experiencing right now, subject to purchasing, I would say in the next three years will, I think, be uh, very popular because unfortunately, I think the estimate is that 40% of the people that lost their, their jobs will not get hired again. That's the estimate that I'm hearing. And so if you just look at that from the, the standpoint of 10% of those people are or at some point have ties to ownership, well, those people are not gonna be able to unfortunately make their payments. And so this is where we stop, we step in as real estate investors and are able to help those people uh, avoid foreclosure. So this is another technique you really need to learn. Uh, I've done a lot of these over the years. And one of the things you can do is when you actually do acquire the property, then you can convert that into a rental, right? And so, uh, or seller finance, uh, which is called a mortgage assignment, but you can then have the ability and flexibility to transition that into a cash flow um, producing property. So notes, uh, notes are buying and selling, uh, uh, basically converting, like I, I mentioned earlier, rentals into a seller financing. That's actually providing a promissory note. So, um, what that does, just like I mentioned, and you avoid the three T's, uh, the toilets, tenants, and trash. So a real estate note or mortgage note is similar to a promissory note, which is a written promise or obligation to pay a specific amount with interest within a specific time frame. So with, with notes, I mean, there's people that do not, they're not tied to the physical property, me meaning they're not involved in, in uh, any physical labor, but there is ownership of the property. So with this strategy, again, um, you're operating as the bank. And so um, this is another really good strategy that you can utilize when you do have rentals. And so it's called a partial. So the strategy is using multiple year terms can allow investors to easily do partial notes. So the example that I provided to you is if I have a 15 year amortization and I have had a tenant in place for 10 years, I own roughly 70% of that value of that property. So if the property is appreciated and I want to then offer a partial note and sell that note, which they're typically buying them at about 90 cents on the dollar, uh, I can actually pull, pull cash out of my rental and still have the ownership rights 
to that property, which is a very good way to raise capital uh, so that you can go and invest in other properties. So notes are definitely a way that you could utilize um, the actual equity within your rental property. So it's a really good strategy to use. Next, we'll talk about buying groups and syndication. So a buying group is where you basically have multiple investors. And I have an example on the next slide. Uh, usually it starts at a minimum of $10,000 for participation. Um, and that's with single family, mind you, or, or uh, valued products like that. Um, I think when you're talking about multifamily, you're 50,000 and, and higher, obviously, because of the, the value of the property is higher. But then you're provided with a percentage of ownership. Uh, typically, you're going to receive that percentage back in payments uh, over time. And then if it sells, you'll get that pro rata share back, uh, back to you plus what you've invested. It's completely passive. Uh, so you may or may not have voting rights. Uh, the way that we actually did our buying group is we created an LLC and then have an operating agreement within that LLC that outlined the owners. Um, insurance is held in the LLC name. Uh, property management is hired to support that. And a percentage ownership is given uh, upon sale. So you really don't have to do much here. So if you're looking for a passive in investment, um, then this is a really good way to, to go about it. We actually have access to syndications and uh, we did buying groups in the past uh, when it was what is beneficial in our returns. We offered double digit returns and uh, but the prices got a little bit higher in DFW, probably like most of you throughout the rest of the country. And so we stopped doing that because we couldn't offer a double digit return. Still, you can do that with multifamily, which we do, uh, we have access to for you to do that. But you can convert, and what I have done is sold some of my rentals to buying groups. So this is another outlet where you could actually, if you don't want to do them anymore, you want to convert them, uh, sell to uh, groups like this. And this is why I mentioned this. So this there's, is how it there's works. a question, Joe. Oh, is there a question? Okay. Yeah. It says in syndication, do we get first or second lien for the property? So typically with a syndication, um, it's owned outright. So how we did it, just to give you an example, is we would raise the funds, and this is may, might help you with this example, and then I'll I'll double back to your to answer your question. So what's in it for you? If you can see this slide, uh, there's five individuals that will participate in purchasing this property. Now, when we purchase the property, it's owned 100%. There is no loan. Um, it's owned 100% outright by the LLC. So the LLC actually has first lien position because they're the actual owner, which then in part, you as the investor would have your percentage of ownership as part of that LLC. Uh, so this is how it would look. So if those individuals invested different amounts, they would all own different percentages, obviously, and receive different proceeds based on their ownership rights. Um, so what would happen is in a perfect scenario, obviously, which we've, we've made money on most all of ours, um, you would get your initial investment back and then you would get your pro rata share your percentage of ownership 
uh, of the proceeds, right, or of the profit, minus expenses, obviously, uh, back to you. Um, and again, it's 100% passive. So I hope I answered that. The majority of the time, you're raising money to be able to pay and buy the asset outright. And so you would have first lien, the LLC would have first lien uh, position. Okay, so another program that we have at, at the club at Dallas uh, Real Estate Investment Group is what's called the reverse close. And this is an owner finance product. Um, and the reason why I like this is because the home, it also actually starts with the home buyer. So the home buyer, the, and this will be really popular, I think that's going to be in the next three years as well, because uh, a lot of you have probably heard that the, the requirements for FICO scores for buyers has increased from roughly 620 to 680. And in my brokerage, actually, we, they have, uh, some of the banks have actually had to uh, put clients through a reapplication process. And then unfortunately we lost deals because the, they got declined because the banks now had, could only accept a 680 FICO score. Uh, so what that's going to do is it's going to uh, require those individuals to look for alternate sources to acquire homes or to gain home ownership. So we offer one of those programs and it's called reverse close because the home buyer, as long as they have a, a down payment, uh, which would offset the risk for the investor, if they have a down payment, which is roughly 15%, um, they then can work with a realtor or they can find their own uh, home, but typically with a realtor, then they could actually approach us for home ownership. And how it works is that the home buyer have the down payment. Uh, they would actually work with a realtor, find the home that they'd like to acquire. Then we would have an investor purchase the home. And obviously the investor would hopefully would, would have a lower interest rate. Um, and then they would actually create, we'd create an, a seller finance note. If you remember, how we explain how seller financing works. And um, then there would be mailbox money. So again, this is a redundant system. Remember when I mentioned that to you, everybody should have a redundant system, but we're not trained uh, to have one. We typically are just day to day and looking at what, you know, at the end of uh, the every two, every two weeks, you know, getting paid. But unfortunately, when that's taken away, when the rug's pulled up from under us, we don't know what to do. Well, we should be working on these type of processes all the time. Uh, so with this process, we will have uh, an RMLO, uh, which basically they verify that the home buyer understands that they're getting into a, uh, that they can make the payment one, and then that they understand that there's a, they're paying a higher interest rate. And so that there's no, uh, it's consumer protection um, so that they can make the payments and it's not predatory. We'll utilize a mortgage servicer, uh, which we have in place, which basically makes sure that the, the uh, taxes and insurance are escrowed and that the payments are being distributed uh, to the bank if there's an underlying mortgage and to the investor. And then we'll utilize a title company. We have most of our title companies that we utilize and are sponsored with uh, at the group uh, are very familiar with this process. And so 
cash flows provided for the duration of the loan, which is beautiful. So the investor in this scenario does very little of anything uh, but sign up. So this is similar to a rental. Uh, and this is why I bring this up, uh, but it doesn't have any of the, of the, the, the toilets, tenants, and trash that we mentioned earlier. So let's talk about the overall rental mix. So the types of structures li renters live in. So if you can see the top two, uh, which if you'll see at 42% are structured with five plus units, which are apartments uh, uh, that most of you, you are accustomed to. And then the second one is single family dwellings. Okay, so you can see the top two. Uh, and then behind that are duplexes and quadplexes. So you can see the top two are either multifamily or single family. So you can decide which one you wanna get involved in. I will just note that now with multifamily, you know, I think it's a, it's a much tougher entrant for a, a new investor or investor that's just starting. Uh, single family is a lot easier to get involved in when you're starting to real estate invest or to build your portfolio uh, just because of the investment dollars. Um, but there are benefits to both. It just depends on which, which avenue you'd like to go in. I'm partial to obviously single family dwellings because I think they're just a lot more flexible. Um, and then you can see mobile homes and the others like RV parks. There's other avenues as well that we teach. But uh, you can see that the majority are either in multifamily and or single family. So, uh, you know, it's pick your poison. So I like single family. Uh, and I've, I've uh, you know, made my bread and butter from that. Um, and it always up, you know, it flows uh, with, with, with the markets. And so right now I think we're right for uh, a really good season to be able to acquire rentals. We have another question. Okay. What are the typical terms? This is back on the, the, previous slide about the reverse close. What are the typical terms to the end buyer? And then is there a markup charge in the Oh, very good question. So yes. So typically the interest rate is 9.9% uh, to the end buyer. And then we actually increase the sales price by 10%. So uh, we embed equity from the beginning to the to for the investor. Now, I will say that because we are offering terms, it is understood from the end buyer that they're going to pay a premium, and that's just with anything when when they're not able to get a traditional loan. Um, so, what that does is it creates one equity for the investor, and then a cash flow spread over time for the investor as well. In addition to that, we also um, require that there's a three-year prepayment penalty so that uh, the investor will recoup a lot of their their down payment for getting their loan back. So they'll actually get to have some seasoning uh, for their return. So um, it's a very good, very good program. And then in addition to that, one thing I'd like to mention is people get, you know, usually, uh, you know, when people actually settle in and get a payment, uh, from what I've seen in my experience is people are, get used to that payment, you know, and people are like, well, why are you paying so much money for a car? Let's say, you know, there's people paying 700 to a thousand dollars a month for a vehicle, but they'll pay, you know, they'll last to the duration of the term. Uh, it's similar to housing. Once they're used to that payment, 
um, you know, basically they will insulate themselves and they will adjust to it. So, um, you know, that's one thing that we've seen and that's why we benefit the marketplace. And I think where we're headed, uh, as far as, as far as, um, our market is, this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a bigger, a segment of our industry because again it's gonna it might be harder to get a loan and also uh, the availability of properties that are in a in a price point that people can afford might be a little bit tough so investors are actually going to come to the savior <laughs> to the savior again um, so um, if you like more information about that you know send me an email and then we can talk about it in detail so moving on, let's talk about the impact of 2008. And really the reason why I brought this up is because of what, are, what are the correlations? You know, what, what is it that we're going to be able to, you know, utilize from what happened in the past? Now, 2008, uh, you know, in that time frame was as a result of the mortgage industry. Um, so it says, meanwhile, the number of households renting their homes increased significantly during the span as did the share, which rose 31.2% of households in 2006 to 36.6 in 2016. The current renting level exceeds the rent recent high of 36.2 set in 1986 and 1988, and is approaching the peak percentage of 37% since, basically since 1965. So what it's basically saying in a nutshell is what, when times get tough, people will stop actually buying uh, and look to alternative ways to, um, to live, which means then there'll be increase in rentals. Um, so again, with the, where we are today and this environment, in my opinion, is no different. I think that uh, obviously with 40% of, of, you know, those people that are unemployed, um, revenues from companies are not going to rebound as as fast as we would like them to. So unfortunately they might not be rehired or they will be what's called underemployment where they go back to jobs that they didn't train for. So they might not be making as much money as they're used to. So if they were given a choice between trying to buy back in or renting, I think for the time being they will rent, which will benefit the investor. Um, so I think that's a really good, that's a really good notion for us to learn from the past. And again, in 2008 is when I bought most of my, in that time frame, most of my rentals, um, which I still have most of them today. So the great recession of 2008 has, has left a great impact on the housing market. As a result, recent renting has skyrocketed in popularity across the nation. Data shows that the total number of households in the United States grew by 7.6 million between 2006 and 2016, which is higher now over the same period. However, the number of households headed by owners remained relatively flat, partly because of the unrelenting housing crisis. So if you see that now, what's happening, right? So, you know, like I said, we have to learn from history or renew to repeat it again, but you don't want to miss the opportunity either. So this is why I say looking at the rental market in, you know, like I said, in the next three years for yourself creates a redundant system for you. Um, and look at markets, you know, that 
typically will have, you know, the ability to rebound like DFW um, where there's transportation hubs, where basically people can migrate um, and, and not have such a high cost of living, which we have here. So there's multiple markets like that. The mid markets, um, people are going to be migrating to those locations within the next five years because they're going to have to. Um, so uh, again, it's, it's, a, it's a, almost a perfect storm for us. So why will people rent? So again, these might be seem like they're, you know, no brainers, but foreclosure. So we look at jo lost jobs, right? So we just, we, it hits the nail on the head. A crisis, right? Uh, divorce. And, and one thing I was seeing is that people are locked up right now. The, the divorce rate's gone through the roof, right? People can't divorce their kids, obviously, but the divorce, because people are now in, you know, actually in the house together, which they're usually working. So um, we benefit from that because if you understand how to do a subject two, or, you know, people just want to sell outright, it provides us with benefits uh, to purchase at a discount. Family assistant and want assistance and want to relieve burden to the daughter and son. Um, you know, obviously, if you have elderly parents or or people that are aging, um, this is a perfect uh, a way to do that. Don't like home ownership. Again, you're going to see people that do not want to own homes anymore. Uh, they're not from the United States, uh, so people will rent. Um, they're not. They don't have the ability to have their credit checked. So. Uh, they have a, what's called an identification uh, number. They have an ITIN number. Uh, death and the heirs cannot agree. Financial hardship, which we'll see. And jobs have them traveling a lot. I see, I've received several deals from people that are in the trucking industry because they're just not at home a lot. Uh, so there's multiple ways. There's way more than this. This list uh, actually highlights that um, why people will rent especially in a crisis in a time like this, but this is when you want to take advantage of it uh, for yourself. So the renter's challenge will continue. The average renter credit score average in 2019 was 600, uh, 620. Uh, statistics show that the average credit score decreases year after year. 91% of 100 U.S. cities have seen a rent increase recently. So real home prices throughout the U.S. have increased in most markets uh, 6.9%, making housing less affordable, which again is another reason why I think in the next three years, uh, rentals will be um, uh, the way to go for investors. And again, remember, for those of you that are out there saying, oh, rentals are too much work and da, da, da. Remember, you can convert them. So if you buy them right and you stabilize them, you can convert them into seller finance uh, uh, deals, notes, you can do a lot with them. And that's why I like rentals. Uh, in addition, student loan debt at an all-time high mixed with unemployment leads to renting, okay? Um, again, there's a lot of deferments that are going on, but that also creates uh, a painful uh, entrant for people that have a lot of student loan debt, right? Because their debt-to-income ratios. Uh, mixed with unemployment leads, right? Which we're in that environment right now. So a lot of people are gonna look to those rentals. So you wanna be prepared. So from the investors overview, uh, individual investors account for 74.4% or roughly 75% of rental properties. 
More than 38 million U.S. households have housing cost burdens. Uh, so that's another benefit for us as investors. So in 2018, one-third of U.S. households paid more than 30% of their income for housing. For tenants alone, that percentage is 47%. So almost half, you can see, of their income went towards housing, right? So for those people, are they going to be able to go move into home ownership? Well, it's going to be really tough for them now because obviously the uh, lending standards have become stricter. So uh, it's going to be really tough for them to actually migrate into home ownership. So what should we do? So here's the four, and I'll try to go through these. Uh, here's the four types. Uh, like I said, a lot of you have heard of the Burr concept, um, and I'll highlight some of this you'll know, but there's the last, last actual R that I actually kind of look at a little differently. So there's the buy, the rehab, the rent, and the restructure, and that's some of what we've talked about before, right? So it's not, um, just set in stone. It gives you a lot of flexibility to do different things with your rental. So the buy. So here's here's what we should look at. So here are the minimums um, that I talk about when you're talking about acquiring a rental. So the rental strategy requires a minimum of $300 net cash flow. So if you're you're looking at buying a rental, when you do the calculation, you should not be making less than $300 net a month. Okay. So budget $100 for month reserved for repairs, budget $50 per month for vacancies. Um, so this is basically how you calculate it. You know, if you, your lease payment is $550, divide that by 1%, and that's the max buy price. Um, so basically that's $55,000, right? So, so you need to look, look at what your buy price is, okay, to achieve that net goal there. So look at your fair market rents. That's what FMR is in each target area. And that's the key analysis point because you're going to look at what rentals are actually uh, doing well in that target area. And target areas can be uh, from different from one major thoroughfare. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.